Welcome everyone. There are around uh, 100, maybe more people sitting here together under the same ceiling. Perhaps we are all having a different version of uh, reality. <laughs> Some of you are might be very happy inside, eh? quite joyous. It is very possible that maybe some of you are a little bit uh, not so much unhappy, but maybe uh, confused or or even just uh, how do you say in English having a bad hair day. So it's very possible that one of you are feeling that you are walking in paradise and one of you is having a bad hair day. Even though we are all sitting under the same ceiling. So this is a very powerful logic as well as also a living proof that reality is not so much objective. Of course, we are not denying the objective reality, but most of the time, you are, as well as my notion of reality is determined by our own mind, including our moods, our perceptions, our perspective, our point of view, which are also largely influenced by our karmic tendencies and the mental propensities. All of them are called in Sanskrit, the Nevaradna, in Tibetan Dipa, which means veil. That veil your mind from seeing the true nature of life, the true nature of existence, or reality as they are. One of the purpose of the Buddhist practice is to see clearly to nature of all things. And that is what Vipassana uh, is, the direct thing into the true nature of all things. The true nature of all things is a sacred 
pure, enlightened. And also, there is unfathomable joy in the two natures of all things. This is the reason that sometimes we feel this spontaneous joy simply from giving our full attention into the manifestations, the play of existence. We feel that our heart is overwhelmed by joy from seeing a whale jumping on the sea, hummingbird flying, butterfly dancing, and there's so much joy from simply looking at the drop of dew on the grass, or looking at a handful of snow flakes. This is also showing us that there's already unfathomable joy in the true nature of all things. So the true nature of all things is already sacred because when you look into the true nature of all things without veil, you are able to see the highest truth as well as also you are able to experience devotion, love, and joy as well as also the compassion. But most of the time, the true nature is veiled by our mind, our conditioned mind. And here today, we are sitting together to purify our mind, purify our consciousness of Nivaradnas or the Dupas. And here we are together today to also purify our heart. Remember, in Buddhism, they teach that most of the time, our very sense of reality is created by our own mind. There is a synonym for the human mind in one of the Buddhist literature. In Tibetan, Kinshi Gyarpo means the king of all creation. It means that the mind is the king of all creation. Mind created everything. Also Buddha said, with the thoughts we create reality. So whatever you're experiencing most of the time, either joy, sadness, being happy, unhappy, or thinking that this uh, universe is a friendly, 
oh, dangerous zone. They are all just creation of your own mind. That is also influenced by your mental habit, your karmic tendencies. I heard a story about a very famous Tibetan Lama, a master whose name is a Hunlang Rinpoche, Hunlang Chung Rinpoche, who passed away many years ago. Before he died, he kept telling all his students that he's already in paradise. And his students thought that their teacher is losing his mind, which would be a shame on them. And then they got very worried, tried to convince that he's not in paradise yet. <laughs> he was at that time living in Lhasa city. They told him, you're not in a paradise. Remember, you are still in Lhasa. And he kept telling that he's already in paradise. His students thought that he lost his uh, mind, his uh, sanity. They misunderstood him. What he was he's trying to express is his uh, inner freedom. He felt this great purification and he began to see the true nature of all things. The true nature of all things is the greatest uh, mystery that we can never describe. We can use many words to describe it, such as Mahashinyata, the great emptiness, or we can call it all the press of sacredness. But in the end, it's a indescribable. Only thing we can do is experience it. But when we experience it, there is unfathomable joy. So from that point of view, nirvana is just a state of our mind. In the same way, samsara is also state of our mind. Nirvana does not lie outside of our mind. Nirvana is the pure freedom, the utter joy, the unconditional happiness. Samsara is opposite of it. Samsara is the vicious circle. Samsara is the state of a mind that is a completely lost in delusion. So now we began to realize that nirvana is not a 
a physical destination. Even though many people used to believe that Nirvana is a, a physical destination, people come up with the, the wildest definitions of what Nirvana is. The yogis wrote their own version of Nirvana and monks wrote their own version of Nirvana. And yogis wrote their own version of Nirvana. If you read some of the definition of Nirvana written by yogis, they can be quite hilarious. <laughs> because yogis like to throw parties in the East. <laughs> and usually they describe Nirvana as this uh, eternal paradise where everybody enjoys eternal party. <laughs> and they're always dancing eternally and drinking, laughing eternally, because that's what they want to do, the yogis. And monks, nuns wrote their own version of Nirvana, which is, for example, Skavati. And Skavati means uh, the paradise of the West, the land of Amitam Buddha. I believe that uh, this paradise was uh, mainly invented by monks. In that paradise, there are no women. <laughs> Everybody is born miraculously and in the lotus. And the moment everybody is born, they are all monks. And they have all these young chibenders of all these mini monks everywhere. And that's the fantasy of the monks. Whereas that the wild land is the fantasy of yogis. The truth is that all these are just uh, incomplete versions of a paradise of nirvana. I don't think nirvana is <coughs> land that you're going to enjoy part eternally, nor a place where everybody is monk. Nirvana is state of your mind. When you begin to understand the, uh, the essential teachings of the Buddhism, you realize that uh, everything is a state of your mind. The famous concept, Nirvana, and the samsara are two states of your mind and something you can experience right now in this very moment. A Tibetan master, Nongun Tsangpa Gyari, he said, when your mind is contracted, that is the imprisonment, that is the samsara. When your mind is loosen or relaxed and that is the liberation that is the nirvana to me his understanding of the nirvana and samsara is the most uh, non-conceptual experiential and also something that we can relate to
in Buddhism, all the disciplines, all the skillful means from certain meditation all the way to mantras, visualizations are simply methods to relax your mind. When mind is totally relaxed and then there is a freedom, then there's only pure joy. Then there is a total resolution. But to do that, first we may want to go inside and look into our mind. When you really look into our mind, we'll see this whole universe within our own mind. We see the state prior to the mind and how mind comes into being as well as also how mind creates the reality. And also we begin to see clearly how we suffer as well as how we also experience joy as well as also happiness. If you can go inside deep enough and then you will find this place inside you, what the Tibetans call Yungmisem. Again, Yungma means original. Sem means mind or consciousness. Means original mind. This is the same as the notion of original radiance which all the Buddhist traditions talk about. It's this indifferentiate, this indescribable, this luminous, this undefinable, this total innocent state of your consciousness, which James Barris was inviting all of us to experience during the meditation. When he said, be like child, he is inviting all of you to experience that original mind. It's the prior to the thoughts, prior to the all mental activities. It's this indescribable, innocent dimension of your consciousness. Out of that, the mind rises along with the thoughts. And then thoughts create reality. When we don't remember that, thoughts create in reality, then there is a, the delusion. And we end up believing our thoughts as a reality, and then we suffer, we become deluded. But if you deeply look into the whole process of the mind coming into being, creating reality from the place of original mind, then you see the illusory nature of everything. You will see illusory nature of our thoughts because the essence of thoughts is illusory. 
In Tibet, we have a monthly retreat, which we hold uh, almost for three months. I have uh, had the fortune to attend at least a few of them. The one part that I like the most is that when we finished the meditation session or the teaching, we used to walk around and make a circumambulation around the temple while reciting this beautiful verse from Diamond Sutra. The stars in the sky, phantom, butter lamp, illusion, dew of drop, bubbles, dream, flash of lightning, one must view all things like that. It's a great reminder to remember that everything is like bubble, everything is like dream, and to remember that your thought is like a bubble. Your thought is like a flash of lightning. Thought is like bubble too, whereas your consciousness is like a sea or a river. Your thoughts are like bubbles. They arise and they dissolve. At the same time, there is no essence in them. In Tibetan tradition, when we meditate, sometimes there is a meditation guidance where we have to remember that our consciousness is like sea and to view all the rising thoughts are like waves. Waves arise and then they dissolve into the, the sea. And yet there is no essence. So the moment you realize the very essence of thoughts is illusion, then you experience there's a relaxation. This total relaxation. Your mind becomes relaxed. Your mind becomes contracted when you believe your thoughts. When you totally believe your thoughts as the truth, your thought as a reality, then mind tightens itself and become contracted. Before you know, then there's already suffering, there's already pain. Dugga is just the contracted state of your consciousness. Samsara is also contracted state of your consciousness. You see how simple it is to define samsara and nirvana. So let's uh, pause for a while. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.